The start order is 17423985. The Extra Lap RC Podcast. Yes, this is the Extra Lap RC Podcast. My name's Aidan Burke, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Martin Owen. How you doing, Martin? Well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, have you had a busy day? Long hours? Oh, yes. Yes. Every day is yeah. busy at the moment. Every day is busy. Chickens need their air conditioning. Is that what it is? No, I think people just need their electricity. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but jobs are good. So why don't we put all of that normal stuff to bed and just go talk about RC? So, Martin, who are we going to speak to today? Well, fresh from the touring car worlds, our favourite on-road person, Alexander Hagberg. Hi, Alex. How are you? Hi, guys. Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Yourselves? Okay. Uh, we're all great, mate. It's it's. It was actually it was lovely and warm in England today, wasn't it, boss? It was, yeah. Very warm. And we've got over the sadness of the Queen. And we're looking forward to having some other coronation in 12 months' time. So... Um, we're all okay, mate. Uh, are you home? Have you have you got back to Portugal? Yeah, so I returned home yesterday morning. I had an early flight, and yeah, I've been home for a day and a half. It's oh, good to be back okay. home. Yeah, of course it is. Is it lovely and warm in Portugal? Yeah, it's actually really warm. It's um, it's warmer now than before I left, so that's <laughs> nice. Okay, and okay, um, we are going to talk about the. Um, the touring car world that has just happened in Gubbio in Italy. Um, but I want to take you back sort of like to the thing. When did your preparation start for that event? Yeah, so the preparation for this world actually started already last summer, so more than a year ago. We we went to the world track in Gubbio for an mm-hmm. XRS event last summer, and we were we were already starting to think about uh, this particular world. We were using the, the spec tires already. Mm-hmm. We were trying to think about the setup and the design of the car uh, for this particular race and track. So more than a year, I would say. Okay. And I suppose you've been waiting, like all the professionals, for all these things to come back, haven't you? You know, it's been such a long time since we've had Euros and Worlds. Um, was there, did you do extra prep? Was there extra work or is this the kind of work we always see from X-Ray going into a world? No, I mean, of course, uh, there's more preparation done for a world championships than for a regular event or a national event. Um, actually really put in the maximum amount of effort. We did a warm-up race. We did a another XRS event earlier in the year uh, with additional testing. So we spent quite a few days in Gubbio testing for the event. Uh, basically, this whole year has been leading up to the Worlds, and we've been doing all sorts of preparations. So, uh, and it's been it's been extra special because it's been four years since the last one. So that's been. Um, making it feel even more important actually and then when you're when you're i suppose any preparation before but specifically when you've gone to gubbio in the last year before the worlds 
are you like is it just set up you're working on or are you like sitting there going it would you know Martin Hoodie, I'm going to assume is your boss. Like, are you going, Martin, it would be brilliant, but I think we need a slightly different arm or chassis or something. How early are you trying to think of that? Is, it, is your new car just trying to win the world? Yeah, so when we went there last year, we were actually using the X4 prototype car. So we, we didn't have the production car ready yet. Mm -hmm. So we used some of the testing also to develop the car and to get a production car ready. But when we went there this year, we already had a production car. Uh, it's been out for a while, and we're basically refining the setup uh, using the experience we have in this platform and coming up with ideas for prototyping, for making new parts to try and make the car faster for this particular race. Right, okay, okay. And is, is that your job? Uh, my primary my primary job is to race, but uh, part of the job is also uh, R and D research and development to try and uh, make the car better. Okay, so are you the person banging on Martin Hoodie's or Martin Hoodie's door, going, "I need you. I want this. Get me one of these. If you if you do this, I can get Bruno to win. I can win." Yes, I try to annoy him as much as possible with yes. all my ideas and. Um, to some of them, he listens. Some of them just stays on the first stage. They never materialize. But some of my ideas actually have gone into uh, prototype parts or even uh, production parts for the car. So, yeah, that I'm very excited about. Okay. So then we, we get to last week when you turn up. When did you actually turn up? Did you get there a bit earlier or...? Yeah, so we flew into Rome uh, three days before the event, and we went testing at a track in Rome together with a team, uh, just to get some running together with a team, to get a few battery packs in, uh, some last-minute preparations, uh, body shell preparations, and things like that. So we got in early, and then we, we drove to Gubbio the day before the event started. Okay, and, and you've told me you've been there a few times in the last 12 months. Um, was it as you expected? Um, like one of the at the beginning of the week, there was some. There seemed to be some issues regarding venue and organization, and then we had other issues near the end. Like someone said, there was no chairs. Yeah, so the typical um, nitro pits, as it's referred to in Italy, they are stand-up pits. So you stand up to work on your car. They're very tall pits. Oh. Um, the only way that you could sit down would be if you brought your personal sort of bar stool, like a tall chair. Yeah. And some drivers do that, particularly those that drive to the event. I mean, if you fly there, you cannot really take a chair, but um, the guys that travel by car, they usually, yeah, they take their own chairs. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah, I understand that now because I thought the tables look really tall and then there was just some chat about it. So other than that, Everything's fine. Everything's expect uh, as you expected. Um, there was some talk about how they changed the track, um, like with, they changed some corners with some bot dots. Did that fit in what with what you were expecting? Yeah, so that's been a topic of discussion for the last couple of months because the IFMA rule states that the track has to be changed by sixty percent compared to what it was 
the months leading up to the race. So let's say we were practicing on the original layout in the last couple of months, mm-hmm. then the track would have to be changed by 60% for the event to make it more fair to everyone. But these 60% of changes is hard to define. It's hard to measure, right? So yeah. what they ended up doing uh, was that they changed three corners. They made three corners uh, deeper, longer, um, by adding bop dots. And that's it. So I would say that the changes were less than expected. But on the other hand, it's a permanent asphalt layout with almost no room for changing. So what were they supposed to do? I mean, that's that's a dilemma that they had. Some would argue that they should have gone the, the other direction. But the problem with going the other direction was that the middle chicane, the fast chicane in the middle of the track, it would then be uphill and you would go over a, a little crest, which would be dangerous because the car could then be, become airborne. Um, so going the other direction was not an option. Some were arguing that they could have added a chicane to the straightaway. That was not done. Uh, in the end, the track was changed, but it wasn't really changed, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because to, to idiots like me, especially off-road idiots, when I see that, I think, how are they going to change that by 65%? I think they'd have to like relay a bit of track, wouldn't they? They'd actually have to dig something up and put it across. Yeah, exactly. So they they couldn't possibly change it that much. That was a problem they had. But you sort of knew and understood that and just thought, oh, they will make some changes. So you get there, you see these corners with the dots on, and you're thinking, oh, that's okay. That'll be fine. It's the same for everyone. Is that is that your kind of view? Yeah, my, my point of view was they've changed it because they felt that they had to. Uh, is it worse than the original layout to drive? Perhaps. Nobody knows. Nobody had driven the layout that they have changed to. Mm-hmm. So instead of moaning about it, we probably should just have said, this is the track we're going to race on. It's the same for everyone. Fine. Because the bop dots, actually, that they, they turned out to be fine. I mean, you could actually you could hit them without sending the car off the track. So it was fine. It, I didn't have a problem at all with the, with the track layout. Okay, so no problem with the track layout, um, no problem with the pit because you've been to the warm up and you know people outside being told there's no chairs and then you turn around now and going yeah there's no chairs because you need a really tall one. I in mean, fact, mo- most uh, most of the nitro tracks in Italy they don't have chairs; they have stand up pits, and it might seem odd for a northern European, but it's just the way they do it down there. Also, I'm going to say, Martin, obviously there's uh, on-road at Mendip. I always thought those tables were quite tall at uh, Mendip. Is that why, Martin? That's why, yeah, because it was originally an eight-scale on-road track. Because I always sit there on my chair and the table's up by my head. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Uh, right, okay. Well, I'll just put a big cross off. There was no chairs. Um, I th- all, all, all I was doing is, I think, like during the rain delays, I was messaging Michael Olowski going, have you got a chair to sit on? And he's like, no, no chair. <laughs> I'm like, um, I've seen pictures and chairs. Just go steal someone's chair. 
And he's like, no, I won't do that. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, so um, Worlds, one of the like the topical things for all the world, all the FMR championships is some people say they're too long. Um, and I know you've got, we had rain delays in Gubbio, but um, w- w- what's it normally? Is it like two days of practice and then two days of qualifying and then finals? Is that what you were expecting? Yeah, so the original schedule was a day and a half of practice, uh, one or two rounds of qualifying on the second day, mm-hmm. another day of qualifying, and then finals. So four days of racing in total. Okay. Uh, the debate that eventually unfolded was regarding the Sunday. Is it considered a spare day in case of rain, or is it not? Uh, myself and most other people assume that the Sunday is a spare day. It can be used for racing in case of rain delay. At least that's right. the rule for the Nitro classes. Right. Um, so on the first day, Ifmar admitted that it's actually not in the electric rules and um, we'd prefer to not use the Sunday. That's what they said. Eventually, after some pressure from the other team managers, this got changed around because the weather forecast was really bad it was raining almost two full days so eventually they ended up moving the finals to sunday which turned out to be the right decision i can understand that some people got upset that they had flights booked on the sunday afternoon or sunday night but most people actually had their travels booked for the monday already so yeah, in the end they, they changed the rules which most people didn't even, didn't even know the rules, but they changed the rules to have dry finals, and that turned out to be the right decision. Okay, so how does how did sort of practice go for you? You've told me you've been, and I don't know, we, we spoke to Michael Olaski a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a couple of months ago, when he said, oh, I'm going to Gubbio, I'm doing some practice. You've done a load of practice, you've done a lot of warm-ups, what are you trying to get? What is what's what? What are you, Alexander Hagberg, trying to get out there? The day and a half of practice at the beginning of this event. Yeah, so in the end, they ended up shortening the practice because they were afraid that it would start raining and we would not get any dry qualifying in. So we ended up having just four or five rounds of practice, and then we went straight to qualifying. So we didn't have all that much practice. Okay. Um, practice didn't go that great for me personally. I struggled to put three consecutive good laps together. So I was seated into the second fastest group uh, instead of the, fr- uh, the fastest group. Yes. Which turned out to have some advantages and some disadvantages. But yeah, that's that's how practice went. I, I, we had sort of, I think I've, I've, I've tried to read, read everybody's Facebook reports. Um, we had just, we had, do you think that was you? Was it the car? Was it the conditions? What 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 you feel didn't go as right as it could have been during that shortened practice? Uh, it was a combination of things. Some of the setup changes that I, I tried uh, didn't work. Perhaps I didn't feel completely comfortable driving the track because it had been changed. Not much, but it, it was changed. And I was trying to, to drive a, uh, a line which didn't work. So I had to adjust my driving a bit for qualifying. Okay. And then you said that got you into the uh, second fastest group, which I, I think that's, I think I saw all of the top two or three heats of mod, as we would call it, through practice all the time. So I, um, 
were you in the group with with Michael? Yes, correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I'm just trying to think who when I watched it, it seemed like who were you, who else was quick in that group? I can't remember. It was uh, so it was mainly myself, uh, Ronald Volker. Yeah, Volker. Yeah. Orlovsky and uh, the Japanese kid Hayato Ishioka, which he ended up qualifying sixth, so he was super fast. So, so you said that getting in that group was good and bad. What were the what were the good things? What were the bad things? The good thing was that I ended up uh, having a good first and second qualifier. So I I always started first in the group. So I was the first car to start, and that was an advantage because the, the tires were not as cold because you were not sitting on the the starting grid for for as long as the guys that started last. Uh, I got, I got, I got. What's the gap? Is it like a, a second between cars going off? Yeah, I would say something like that. But especially because we were not allowed to use tire warmers at the Worlds, just like the last three Worlds, yeah. which means that tire temperature is really critical. So it's actually an advantage to start first in your group. So are you, so are you only... Are you warming your tires up in your out lap? Yeah, so we get one warm up lap pretty much where you can try and heat up the tires as much as possible. I mean, you don't want to go full speed in your warm up lap because you might wreck the car or something, but you try to warm them up as much as you can and then you go straight to the grid and you wait for your number to be called. Oh, okay. And then you can actually, you, I suppose, because you're Alex Agberg. You can see that you can notice the difference whether you start first or tenth. Oh, absolutely! Wow, wow. Okay, uh, I during my toy car racing this Sunday, um, halfway through the day, I figured out that I had on my rear inner link, I had two mil on one side and no mil, no shims on the other side. I never noticed that at all. <laughs> It, it it was only when like one of me drive me links popped off and someone popped it back on during the day that they point that out. Um wow. so, so yeah. So I'm not I, I'm not trying to disagree with you or not believe you, but I'm like, wow, you can notice okay, anyway, move on. Um so that's how it worked well because you started first and your tires were nice and warm as you started off. Did it not work later in qualifying? Was it that weather related? Yeah, so the disadvantage of being in the second fastest group was that after the rain, the next day, when the track had dried up, the track was obviously improving by each heat. So so the last heat usually had the better track and they had a bit more grip than our group because the track was still improving and getting better each run. So the next day, it might have been a disadvantage, whereas on the first day, we we also had an advantage because we were running the first qualifier um, at nighttime at 7 p.m. So it was it was getting dark. Yeah. And we had a slightly better visibility in our group because we were driving seven minutes before the the last group, so we could actually see our cars a bit better. So that helped me in Q1. Okay. Now you're all sensible professionals. Well, most of you are sensible professionals. Do you and you're trying to win, aren't you? You're trying to you're trying to be the best in the world there. So are, are you sitting there then and thinking, well, I'm all right that practice wasn't great because because you know, I'll pick on Bruno. Bruno has to drive in the dark. Is yeah, that, so 
Is that so just when, the way the is that just the world the way the world works? Yeah. So when I had done my qualifier in Q1 and I could see it getting dark for the last group, I immediately I immediately knew that I had an advantage. So um, I was obviously hoping that the guys in the last group would not go as quick. Yeah. In the end, Bruno ended up beating me by quite a margin still because he was so dominant. Yeah. Um, but I ended up getting second in the first qualifier, which was a really good start to to my qualifying. Okay. And then, so overall, you're happy with the, you, you, how your qualifying went? Because I think what did you qualify? Oh, fourth. In the end, I in the end I got third. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, so, would you have taken that to start off with? I was really happy to start third. I mean, from third you can win the race basically. Uh, if you look on, on how previous worlds have turned out. Right, okay. But um, on the Gubbio track, the third uh, spot on the grid actually is on the inside of the straightaway. So you're actually starting on the dirty part of the track, which that was a disadvantage. So, in fact, both me and Bruno started on the inside of the track, whereas spot two and four, they were on the racing line. So... Third was good, but the disadvantage was that I started in the in the dust, so to speak. And then, how did you? What changes did you do to your car through through sort of through qualifying, thinking of finals? Uh, we are quite, you know, conditions changed. It was dry. It was hot. It was greasy. It was wet. Um, I saw lots of pictures with like people putting speed uh, electronic speed controllers in in bags and things along those lines, expecting the rain to come the next day. Uh, was it a busy week for you with all your changes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially because the conditions were changing so much, and at one point, we basically were expecting to race in the rain because we knew rain was coming, and if Mar basically said. There's wet tires showing up, and we're all going to race in the rain the next day. So we ended up prepping our wet cars, which was quite time-consuming if you didn't have one fully prepped. Uh, so we did that one night, and the next day it ended up not raining early on. So we ended up racing, and the track changed a lot every day. The most grip we had was probably the first day, to be fair. Right. So yeah, you're it, just try, you're, you're trying to dial more grip in as the event went on. Yeah, it was it was difficult to keep up with the changing track conditions, and especially for main day, for the finals day, the grip was low because we had uh, a lot of rain and sort of a storm the day before. So the grip levels never really came back to what they were in qualifying. Yeah, I think I watched some of the earlier uh, Formula One and spec classes. Um, and I don't think I'd seen so many spins and pirouettes down the straight at, a, at any meeting. It looked really quite hairy for some of those guys' early doors. Yeah, Sunday morning, they started actually with the track being partly wet still, which yeah made it really difficult to drive, especially for the Formula 1 cars because they are only rear-wheel drive. So they're hard to drive even when the track is in good condition. So even worse when it's wet. Okay. And then... From the pictures I saw, it looked like, I don't know whether, it looked like X-Ray were the biggest team there. Um, there's loads of people there. And I know everyone, um, I think you 
historically said you tend to do a lot of work yourself, whereas I see a lot of the real top on road boys and girls having people to do that for you. But your dad was there this week as well, wasn't he? Yeah, my dad came to to hang out and to to watch the race, so that was great. He usually comes to two or three events per year, so he chose to come to the worlds, and yeah, it was it was great to have him there. But but you but you did you not let him anywhere near your car? Uh, you usually still, no, no. <laughs> you just still did it all yourself. Yeah, I do all the mechanical work on my car myself. Uh, Martin Hoodie was the one that took the car through tech and prepared the tires and everything, which you can only do in the tire impound. Right. So he was he was doing that, whereas I did all the the mechanical preparation of the car. Okay. Okay. Well done, well done. So, um, how do you find you? What, what do you think? You, how your finals went? Uh, first final was rather disastrous because I had a poor start and I got tangled up with a couple of other cars. Fell back, um, came back up the field. I think I was fifth or sixth. Then I had a spin in the chicane and. That after that the race was ruined. I think I got taken out in the end, but it didn't matter because it was already over. Yeah. So I finished finished ninth in A one. A two went a lot better. Had a good start. Uh, held on to third. And at one point I was actually closing on uh, car number two, uh, Christopher Krupp, but I didn't have the speed early on to to really get close to him. So I held on to third. In the last final. I unfortunately had a spin, not only on the first lap, but also later on in the race, and it made me lose two positions. So I struggled a bit for grip in the last final. Not sure exactly why, but probably because I was still using a setup that was a bit too aggressive for the conditions, and I fell down to fourth in A3, and eventually that awarded me the fourth overall spot. Yeah, and um, I don't know whether you've seen all the... Well, I'm, I'm sure you have seen the pictures, but I've been skirting through the pictures to look for stuff to put on Facebook after this. Um, and because you're fourth, some on some of them, you can just see your car. Do you know whether you're taking the picture of the podium and you can see the top three and then you're just slightly off shot and you can just see that sort of very distinctive green and white shell that you run just on the corner. Um, but yeah. I think you were, I think you're saying that's one of your, that's like your best results at, a, at an IFMAR 10th electric worlds. It was my best result. I mean, I've been fifth before and I actually qualified third in China as well, but in China, the finals didn't go well. So I ended up seventh, but, uh, fourth is my best result until now. And, and that's, you know, you are a double world champion. Uh, I always remember it's like, it's 10th nitro on road and is it 10th i don't want to call it is it 10th gt oh is it is it 10th gt no i i won the worlds in 12 scale oh i forgot that last time as well you know oh so you 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 three time world champion uh no one oh. time one time in uh, temp ic and one time 12 scale ah uh, okay sorry i uh, i thought there was uh, some time you'd won some other worlds in like gt cars or something along those lines no i must be mistaken i um, wish 
I yeah, wish. I wish. You wish. Yeah, those, those things look really <laughs> good. Those look really good. Um, yeah. And the and the IFMAR president was at the fifth scale thing in America, so I'm sure he would have had a great time. Um, did you and um, it's a big X-ray team. Um, you, you, I know you do all your work yourself, but is is was the team helpful during that? Are you listening to the team? Are the team listening to you? You know, Bruno seemed to be ahead of everybody you know when he had a good run he was five seconds faster than everyone it seemed to me like when he had a bad run he was just only a second faster and quicker than everybody um do you work together or is your just car different from bruno's no we work closely together um it actually depends a little bit on the track and and on the on the conditions but for this particular event we ended up running uh, quite different setups actually, but that's that's uh, normal actually because we have different driving styles. So it's not it's not strange that we we en ended up with different setups. But there's there's been races where we ended up with very close setups or identical setups. But mm -hmm. for this particular race, we ended up doing something different, which the setup he was using didn't work so well for me. So I ended up going um, my own direction. Uh, and that's a setup that I've been working on on the previous two events at this track this year. So, yeah, that's how it went. Is is that important for you? You know, like I, obviously, I'm not you. Um, you know, I just I just follow what everyone else does. It, you know, to to be you, to be as successful as you've been, to you know, to be slightly disappointed that you're only fourth in the world in Gubbio, you know, do you have to have confidence in your own, in in your program, in your belief that that's what's right for you, and is that what your experience gives and the time that you've been doing this, the opportunity to sort of blank out what other people are doing and just concentrate on yourself. Yes, I think I have a pretty good feeling for what works for me in terms of setup. And I always look at what Bruno is doing, what his mechanic is doing. I always look at it, but I don't always uh, try and copy it or, or try and necessarily use his ideas on my car. Uh, sometimes I try his ideas, sometimes not, but I've come to a point where I can sort of filter out things which I don't think will work for me and, and so on. And I think I'm pretty confident in my racing program and the setup that I think will work for me. But um, there's no secrets in the team. We're not hiding stuff from each other. Uh, it's just that we don't always uh, use the same setups. And for this race, that was the case. And and, that, and I've, I've spoken to some of the other like normal X-ray people who were there and they said they found that really useful. You know, it was a great team. They, you know, they could hear that some people would say do this and some people do that and they could make their own choices. And just, it was great to get involved and sort of see what a, a big professional team is out there. Push, you know, obviously 10th electric touring cars is incredibly important for X-Ray. And they show that by turning up and having the biggest team and doing the work. You, you, you must be happy, super proud of like sort of what the team has done. Yeah, of course. Uh, Ten scale touring car is 
the biggest class for X-Ray. The X4 is the best-selling platform that uh, we have. So it's incredibly important for us to have a good result at the Worlds. And that's why we work so hard. That's why we spend so much money and time for this particular race. Uh, not only in Modified, where ob we obviously had a good result, but also in the, the stock class, which was run for the first time at AFMAR Worlds. And the stock class is very important because in all reality, 90% of our customers, uh, they race in a stock class, they race in a slow class. There's very few drivers who will actually put a modified motor in their car. So it is really important to do well in stock and to show the customers that our car is the best, not only in modified, but especially in stock class. Oh yeah, so to show that it, 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 it allows Bruno to win, it allows you to become fourth, but if you've got to run this in your local club indoors in MB models, you know, it'll be fine for you. Okay, that's, that's excellent, mate. And then th th there was a bit of chat during the week regarding disorganisation and confusion, but not really, and I, I don't spend a lot of time on this, but I think it's important to mention that like when the event ended, then there seemed to be like a a few Facebook posts coming from, and I'm just going to refer to them as other drivers in the A final, who at points came out and said, you know, the only reason Bruno was better than everybody because he didn't take his tyres from the same box that everybody else has done. Um, I've had a quick run through Facebook posts before we started, I think there's a, a really good post by Martin Hoodie sort of talking around and say, hey, look, we all took our tyres from this box. There's videos of Mark Francisco Martini and all those guys doing it. Does, does that put a damper on it? Does that upset you? Yeah, to be honest, on one hand, it does upset me because what these individuals do is they're disrespecting my work, our work, our team's work and our effort to to try and win the world's fair and square because in all reality the tire rules that are in place for the worlds they're the strictest most controlled rules uh, out of any race doesn't leave any room for manipulation or cheating and you cannot make it more fair than under these rules and um, it does upset me when i'm personally attacked personally accused of cheating um, it really upsets me, and unfortunately, we had to deal with it, and um, we we have to try and move on. I mean, we have nothing, we have nothing to say other than uh, there's video proof of us preparing our tires in a legal way in the tire impound area. Um, these conspiracy theories that have uh, been made up thus don't make sense. And uh, that's all that we can say. We have nothing to hide. Is this a touring car problem? Because when there was there were some issues at the Euros on road, I remember Bruno that like the X-ray guys literally left there, came straight over to Robin Hood. I remember seeing Bruno like sixteen hours. He was marshalling the first practice. 
And like 16 hours before then, he was in the Huddy Arena. And I'm like, congratulations on winning the Europeans. I, I've seen some stuff on Facebook, Bruno, but just forget about it because, you know, none of us off-road people care. There was none of these allegations turned up at Redavan at the 8th Worlds. So is it a touring car problem rather than a, an X-ray problem? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the same group of individuals. It's a small group of individuals that whenever they don't win, whenever they're off the pace or they're not in fight for the win of the race, they, they make accusations, they blame other teams for cheating, uh, mainly X-Ray. And this has been the case, not only at the Worlds, this was the case at the Euros this year. This was the case at ETS races in the past. Uh, they always question um, the legality of Bruno's tires, so on, so forth. Uh, but it's just a small group of individuals that make these accusations, and unfortunately, they they ruin the atmosphere for uh, for everyone else. And I, I, I would say I would cool. say that it's a touring car problem because in twelve scale we don't have this problem. In off road, there don't seem to be any problems like these. Um, so sadly, yes, it seems to be a touring car problem. Now, was was any of these issues brought up, like at the meeting? Did, so, did you know? Did you like at the end of the meeting as you're packing up? Do you were you packing up thinking, "Oh, this is gonna." The phrase we would use is, "This is gonna kick off again." Or was it only brought up after sort of the meeting had finished on Facebook? No, I mean there were already some controversy leading up to the event regarding the track layout and so on and so forth. And it's always the same uh, individuals that are behind these discussions that come up uh, before the event, during the event, and especially after the event, because these people didn't have good results. They ended up losing. They were in the bottom of the A-main. So they're trying to find excuses. They didn't work as hard as us. They didn't do as much testing. And they were off the pace. Sometimes you just have to accept that you're not fast enough and congratulate the other team, and that's it. And and, and that, that's how I feel like it is in 10th off-road, 8th, you know, we, last week we had um, your extra Johnny Skidmore coming on about 8th, just, you know, super happy with his World's A final in 8th, you know, enjoying his time with the team, with the other Martin, Martin Bayer and Bruno and Ty and Gord. And then, and then, I, I, I don't, I, very important, I don't want to name names, but like, touring cars, certain brands even, because like, I, I don't think the infin I don't think the Infinity Boys got involved in this because I've read all the Infinity Boys updates and they're like, "Congratulations, Bruno, best fellow won." Da 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 da. So, is there going to be like a big dust up? Is there going to be a fight or something next time you go to a meeting, or is just something, something that just has been around touring cars in Europe for some time? I mean, this is part of the reason why we stopped going to the ETS races because we were sick and tired of um, these kind of accusations and discussions. And after these worlds, we can only see that we were right. We were right by uh, boycotting the ETS. We were right by spending our budget on other races or testing for the worlds, which 
turned out to to be a good decision because we won the world. And yeah. um, this only confirmed what what we've been feeling and what we've been um, following for for some time now. Okay, and then just just so, just to put that back, you know, um, in some ways I'm the worst person for this because I will I will go through and just like everybody's posts. You know, because these things should be open and should be discussed. But I think you can see, not that Facebook is a judge, but you know, when you when there's been a, like a, an X-ray reply to anything, the the majority of likes and comments are, are on those, just to show that it does seem to be a quite a small minority of people who are doing this, and the rest of us, you know, not much funny. We have a Hagberg rule. Just because it's you, you know, we love Bruno. Um, you know, Hoopo's our favourite guy. And we just we just we just find it difficult at this moment in time to see where that section but let's move on from touring car issues. Um, okay. In the in the UK, they're gonna try and I think someone tries to bring in a rule that they're gonna change mod and slow mod down. You've already talked about uh stock being the big class. What do you feel about our lot trying to slow mod touring car down? Yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons to that. The The trend worldwide is that modified is dying. Nobody wants to drive modified anymore because it's too difficult, too complicated. Cars are too fast. You have too much tire wear. And when you crash, your car blows up into pieces. So I understand that the average driver or the hobby level driver doesn't want to race modified. So the dilemma you have then is, okay, so what are you going to do? You're going to stop the mod class altogether. Uh, you're going to slow it down. Uh, what are we going to do for the future? I mean, what they did in scale in the BRCA at first and later on in EFRA was that instead of having completely open modified, they went to a motor limit, six and mm-hmm. a half. So they slowed down the class a lot which that actually has been working pretty well. The cars are slower, so easier to control for everybody, easier to drive on smaller tracks or on club-level tracks where the grip is not as high. Makes it easier to do for most people. And the problem that arises when you make it a motor limit in the class is that you feel that you're short on power sometimes. You try to find more power. You're trying to turn up the timing on your motor. You try to find a better battery pack. You try to charge your batteries at 80 amps or something to try and get more power. So no matter what you decide to do in terms of the class rules, there's no perfect solution. Uh, But what we need to try and do is to try and make more people race modified. And is that... um, a way to do it, to slow down the class? Would it attract more drivers to Modified? Perhaps, but we need to try something because Modified is slowly going to die if we don't. Well, okay, I was going to think of something else. Why don't you stop doing Modified modified, and you run stock? Why don't you just get rid of Mod all the time, altogether? That's an option, but then if we have professional drivers racing stock, then we're going to have to have a lower stock class for the drivers that are not quite as good that don't want to race against me and Bruno. So I think we need two classes but the modified class doesn't need to be as fast as it is today. Okay. And it's like 
There's lots of things to think about. Okay, right. And then, um, have you got a holiday now? You know, worlds mm, are done. Not really. I, I don't have a race this week, but I'm already starting to prepare for some test sessions for the 12 scale race, which I have in the UK next week. Right. So you're flying over to the UK next week. And is, that, is this this? Um, 12th MB ratio, 12th ratio, having an MB models. Yeah, it's a 12 scale GP uh, next week at MB models. Okay. And are you running some sort of clinic or something beforehand? Did I see you there? Yeah. So it's both myself and David Spashett and Mark Stiles. All the three right. of us will be doing workshops on the Friday where we will talk about technical uh, things about the car, about setup, and also about driving how to improve your driving and so on. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that, actually. Okay, and then move. That sounds like a great thing. Uh, and it, 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 clearly it's been supported by all the um, all the manufacturers, I think, in 12. If, if you know, if you're there, Spashit's there, and Styles is there, that looks, looks like a great thing. Um, where do you go from there? Are you in this country for long, or are you off somewhere else? I have a race at home here in Lisbon in the middle of October, a touring car race. Mm -hmm. And then I have the Swedish Carpet Nationals in my home country in Sweden mm -hmm. at the end of October. So 12 scale and touring car. And that's at David Ronafalk's track. Oh, his carpet track. Indoors. That, oh, yeah. That used to be a laser tag plate or something like that. Look, looks massive. Yeah, you, you probably have seen it. It's, it's yeah. a pretty big track. So that's October, and then in, in November I'm going to to Malaysia for an XRS event, and then the US Indoor Champs in Cleveland. So uh, pretty busy fall uh, coming up. Wow. Okay. No rest for the wicked? No, not for the next two months at least. And, th and then do you have a bit of a break over Christmas? Yeah, actually, right now I don't have any races scheduled in December, so I'm going to have a bit of a break by the looks of it. And then all starts again. Now, in 2023, if we've had a um, a 10th electric world, what worlds are in 2023 for you? So there's supposed to be a 12 scale worlds next year, uh, Roar Block, so US or Canada. But right. until now, they don't have a host for it, and we didn't hear anything about when it's going to be. So we have to wait and see, I guess. Oh, yeah, I think I think Mark Stiles mentioned something that a couple of weeks ago I saw on Facebook. He was saying that you're short on details. Okay, so is that your... Now, obviously, you're Alex Hagberg. So do you... Will you prioritize 12th at all next year, or doesn't it not matter you just race on road and we'll just try and get as much practice in i mean touring car is always going to be the priority because that's the biggest class and that's the class in which i have the most events per year but if time allows yeah i'll try to focus more for 12 scale leading up to the worlds depending on when it is and depends i suppose whether there's whether there's a warm-up event or something along those lines yeah yeah okay mate well <laughs> Well, um, other than that, so X-ray was obviously good. Um, of course, you're a you're like all the sensible people. You have a 
uh, your electrics are hobby wing and um were they all quite straightforward did you make any changes to those during the week or you're quite settled on your electric settings no the electric settings they stayed pretty much the same uh throughout the week for the lower grip conditions i adjust the speedo a little bit to have a smoother bottom end but that's about it i mean this the basic setup was the same from the last couple of events at that track so do you generally not change do you not change your electronic settings a lot during a, a race meeting is that something you're more settled on and you change the car or do you find you often change your electronic settings on your speedo no i rarely change the the esc setting throughout the event i usually have the setting made already before and then i just fine-tune it during the event okay and obviously you thought that the reason we've got you on today um was to chat about the worlds and all those things but actually i've got a problem with my Hobbywing g2 uh s speedo um like um i'm gonna say fans of the show will realize every so often i've talked about having a flat battery or something changing and i figured it out this week that every so often my speedo just goes into blinky so i run seven and a half turn motor in my two-wheel drive and at southport big long straight i'll run like 35 or 40 degrees of turbo and every so often it just feels like it has no legs on the straight but when someone took it off this weekend and looked at it it went you're on blinky aiden and i'm like I've not changed it. I wasn't on Blinky before. Um, have you ever had that issue? H how am I going to fix that? Should I just rebind it or update it? I don't know. Uh, sometimes when that happens, it can be a sensor problem. So when the sensor stops working, it goes into Blinky mode. So you could try uh. to swap out the sensor wire and the sensor on the motor if possible. If not, yeah. could be... Uh, an issue in the speedo itself and then it's it's probably better to have it shipped for repair uh, okay yeah now my sensor wire does look like i've attacked it with a knife and fork you know it's not like one of those ones yeah. that's laid under the chassis it's just randomly wrapped around some wires um so i should probably is that my first job replace my sensor wire yeah, it it could be the sensor wire. It could be it could also be the sensor on the motor. But I will start with a sensor wire. Okay, I, I, even I, even I, Alex, can do that. Even I can change my sensor wire. Um, but just in case I don't, anybody who sees me at EOS on Worksop, just come and check that I've changed my sensor wire. Um, mate, um, it's been brilliant. It's been great. You know, I'd like to point out that I asked you to come on this before any of the craziness went on um i didn't I, you know i didn't know any craziness was going to go on in the, the worlds before we asked but it was great that you've turned up um and you know we wish you all the luck in the world mate um we i, I always watch your videos on youtube uh especially the things on your hobby wing speedos i think they're really good um um, if you could, I, I know it's very difficult, um, but you know, keep, make, keep making sure you do some uh, more videos on radios and and obviously on stick radios because that's what the best people use. 
Yeah, I won't do any stick radio videos, I'm afraid, because I don't use sticks, but I'll try and do some more um, M17 videos probably in, in the future. Maybe if you just maybe if the menus are similar, maybe you could just explain it in a thing that helps the, the Sanwa, you know, stick guys as well. I think that's yeah. the, the 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 knowledge of the options. I understand. I, I know. I know it's only Northern old Europeans who still use sticks, uh, but maybe some more videos on the options that work on both. I think that would be really useful for us. Yeah, absolutely. I'll try and do that. Thanks very much, but you do need a couple of days off. That's important. Um, and remember that that we all love you, and you know. There's only one on-road person we allow on this podcast, and that's you. Okay? And, Thank you. you know, and, and because you actually seem to be doing so well uh, on-road, and as you've explained how important this is, and the amount of money that X-Ray spend on all this development and all this work, that, you know, if if people just, if, if, you, if you lot win and then people just call you cheats, then... 99% of the people realize that they're talking nonsense. Okay. Yes. yes. I, I, that might be difficult when you're reading all this or not reading all this, but most the 99% of us know you're doing well. You know, we, we've seen all the posts. It's all great. But before we let you go, would you like to thank some of your many excellent sponsors? Uh, yes, of course. Um, I would like to thank... X-Ray and Huddy, my main sponsors. Hobbywing, Speedos and Motors, Sampadao Batteries, Sanwa Radios and Servos, Prospect Chargers, Hot Race Tires, Hero Seiko Screws, Avid Bearings, Loxon Stickers, TQ Wire, best wires in the business, Monaco RC, the best RC shop, A-Paint for painting my bodies, and... I think that's about it. That's it. Well, where should I get my sensor wire from? So, oh, there's probably I use, T one. I use oh. TQ Wire. It's an American brand. They're really flexible, really soft. So um, they make it easier well, to have a nice wiring. Well, if I'm free next Friday, mate, I'll be driving up to MB Models to steal one of yours just because <laughs> uh, it might take them a bit of time to post me one. Um, thinking about that, I think there's a spare one inside of one of my many hobby wing boxes, mate. Many hobby wing boxes. Um, it, Alex, thanks for your time, mate. We'll speak to you soon. Bye now. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having me on. It's been a pleasure and uh, looking forward to coming back on in the future. Okay, hang on. Sorry, one thing. What are you doing tomorrow morning, Alex? Um, I'm taking my son to school and then I'm going to go to the track. Is that what you're doing? You're going to go straight from taking your son to school to go on the track? Uh, I might. Why? Yeah, might take, well, I just wondered whether you might spend like an hour of your day watching the new Star Wars Andor series that comes out tomorrow. Oh, wow. It's out tomorrow? Yeah, it's out tomorrow, yeah. yeah I might need to watch it. Probably tomorrow night then. Oh, no, you see, what I would do, I would do the same. I would take, I take my son to school. I take Thomas to school. And then I will drive to the McDonald's near work, get myself a coffee, watch it on my iPad in the car park, and then go to work. Um, so I'll be uh, watching it first thing in the morning. So maybe you can watch it at the track. 
Yeah, I will try and do that. Thanks for the heads up. Yeah, well, I know you're a big fan, mate. I know you're a big fan. Uh, and or I'm sure it's going to be the best thing on television. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, actually. Yeah, I, I know. I know you're a big Star Wars fan, Alex. Again, thanks very much for your time, mate. Speak to you soon. Bye now. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Well, that was great speaking to Alexander Hagberg. Um, hashtag Hagberg rule. I'm not being funny. It's the greatest input to this podcast that Joey's ever done, isn't it? Just yeah. off the top of his head, come up with the Hagberg rule. Who is this Joey guy? I've not spoken to him for a while. Hey, come on. You weren't here last week either when I was talking to our favourite World A finalist, Johnny Skidmore. Yeah, I, I listened to it though, and it was it was a really good podcast to listen to. To be fair, it it was um, we, we enjoyed it. It was really good. So great speaking to Alexander Hagberg. Great speaking to Johnny Skidmore last week. Um, I, I've had to like jab you with sticks to get to wake you up now. So um, I'm gonna say you were at Mendip this weekend. I was, when, and I when... only know that. Because the week before, when you did a picture on one of my Facebook threads, um, I could see the Tiverton house in the background. Yeah, so I yeah. guess if you were Tiverton that week, you were Mendip. How did it go, mate? Yeah, it was it was all right. Um, we ran the still running the end of season track that we ran four wheel drive on. Yep. And um, I learned valuable lessons. I went five rounds with a ball diff and couldn't drive the car. And then for the last round, went. I'll try gear diff and yeah, change the car. So, lesson learned. Hang on, but I don't ball diffs were now the answer to everything. Why wasn't it the answer to everything for you? Well, I think I think all the sand is obviously it had quite a worn in racing line from the end of season finals, and it was quite um, dewy overnight, so it was quite wet, and then it just dried, but it didn't get hot. Mm-hmm. The track. I mean, everyone was saying, "Oh wow, there's." so much grip and oh, it's been two years since I've run a gear diff around that track you know you just always put the ball diff in because it's bumpy and undulating and that's and a bit sandy that's just what worked and uh, yeah it didn't work this time oh so you're thinking did I heard someone say this before so I'm only copying somebody else was there too much grip for a ball diff do you think yeah yeah definitely it was it was making the car do strange things. Right. Okay. You put a gear okay. diff in and it and it and it went. I mean, Keith, your friend Keith, local legend at the moment, driving really really well. I mean, he absolutely schooled me in every single round, and and then in, in the last leg of the final, I gave him a. Well, I think he had an accident, and I just drove off. But um, yeah, it was very it was very strange to go from being on it at the end of season finals to not being able to do a lap without crashing. Oh, okay. But it was fun. Yeah. I still I enjoyed it. It was a day out. It was the weather was good and the people were good. Um not a huge amount of entries. Um outdoor season you can tell maybe definitely coming to an end because there's less people about. Yeah, we had a few people say, oh no, I've put cactus on now. I'm going indoors. Yeah, it's a bit sad, really, because, you know, we need to support our clubs and we need to work together and, you know, sort these races out. So we, we get lots of racers at each event. But, you know, it's the way it is. 
Oh, well, I love when you say that because that's what that's what me uh, me and Berry, that's what Southport and Berry have done for the last few weeks. But we're not actually doing it this week because Berry's got their last outdoor. I think probably maybe their last outdoor. And when we've looked at the um, forecast, it looks great this weekend. So a few people, so we are going to have like, I'm going to call it a don't crash meeting at Southport because we'll probably only have about two heats. So you'll either be marshaled in the top heat, being marshaled by the kids, or yep. we'll have kids marshaled by the top heat. And in this autumn session is really where I make my A finals. I always Good. think I get better at the end of the year. It's not just other people don't turn up. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, in fact, I, I, that reminded me, I'm looking at my f- pictures now, that in September 2015, so seven years ago, the two-wheel drive A final at Southport, okay? Yeah. Tony Parr. Yeah. Matt Dodd. Mark yeah. Smith. Luke Holdsworth. Aidan Burke. Mm-hmm. Then Josh Holdsworth. Nice. So it's taken Josh seven years to go from getting beat by me to being a European A finalist. Yeah. So, you know, if you're slower than me now, not a problem. Give it seven years worth of hard work and you too can be a European A finalist. Um, so we had a lovely, uh, great day at Southport. Everyone enjoyed themselves. That was great. I think it's important at this moment in time just to run through that we are moving indoors. Carpet is being dug out of places and there's lots of... Um, Carpet events and booking in is being opened. Um, I think the first thing we've got, um, Midland is running a winter warm up uh, on the 24th of September. So that's on a Saturday. So I think they're going to have open practice from like 11 or 12 o'clock till about four or five. And then four or five, they're going to have a, a race meeting on the 24th of September. That's their winter warm up. And then their, their winter dates are out. Um, a tracks winter dates out? Uh, I have no idea. I've not looked. <laughs> Mid Devon's well, winter dates are out. Mid Devon's are out. Berry Metro's are out. Uh, have we talked about Midland have opened? Essex are out. Flowerback running Friday evenings. Um, there's a Nemo have said the first tenth date is that's the day before the AGM on the 29th, isn't it? Yep. Um, I don't know whether I can go. I was trying to think of going to the AGM. I thought Chris Cherry was going to pick me up and take me, but I don't know if we go to the. I'm sure he will. He has to kind of drive past my house anyway. Um, well, if if I look at the map, he does. Um, so that's that. So guys, you know, continue to race outdoors. There are clubs who don't have. Sorry, continue to race outdoors. There are plenty of clubs that, but also don't have indoors. So if there are winter championships, check your dates, get them in your diary, sort all those things out. Um, Four Worlds A finalists have booked into Worksop. Um, The Killich brothers, I believe, are coming over. Um, And they, I think they run Yokes. I think so, yeah. So they'll be there for things. So that's what I've got. Uh, Worksop, uh, you know, Neem. Northeast up there in Nissan. I'm sure I'll go and see them, maybe do a club night even with them on a Sunday night. Um, loads of things. Dig all my cactus out. 
have a great time. But I've still got me wet car because of wet, dry car. And I've not made any changes to it because it'll be fine now. Uh, and I run. Uh, do you still get abuse over mezzos? Like jokes about Mezzo Island and things like that, Martin? No, it's gone a bit quiet now. Gone a bit quiet now because I, literally the tyres I used to get into the A final at Southport on Sunday were four weeks old. They weren't even mine. I had to borrow somewhere. I've got, you know, I don't want to cause panic saying I haven't got any yellow mezzos. I could get more. I just haven't ordered them. I'm just running on all the week old sets that i've got but you know four weeks still in the air at southport didn't do too well though because of the issue maybe it's a sense of why um i think that's it isn't it yeah i think we've so an, i think we've done an update the rca agms coming up um yep. uh, get some proposals in get to the meeting um, if you can speak to your mates, if one of your mates is going, make sure they're there or something along those lines, just get involved. You know, we have had some if more questions, you know, other other organization questions. We're super lucky in this country. The BRCA are really good. And I don't just say that because they listen, they are good and they do a lot for us. So let's just try and help those out as much as we can. Um, Oh, we had a raffle. Thank you very much, Schumacher, for, for giving us some prizes for our raffle. Um, everybody enjoyed their, enjoyed their new wings and tools and tool bags. I, and I have that. a question for you. Go on. Have you been to your newest model shop up there yet? I haven't been to my newest model shop yet. Um, okay. But I can. I have, it's, I've got a date in my diary to <laughs> go. Um, and I will be there early, I don't know, late September, early October. I've got a, no, I've, I've got a, a meeting, some meetings up there. And I'll certainly go and see Paul and yeah. Janice at Inside Line. It's looking really good. It looks super smart. Yeah, um, I still think they could have put a track inside there. <laughs> um, and, Maybe that'll come. Oh, my God, imagine if that. Wow. Wow, that'll be amazing. I'm sure that's Paul's dream is to have a track. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, that'll be amazing. But yeah, inside line, good luck on them. Good luck on all the shops, but especially inside line. Um, I think that, you know, it just means they're gonna be able to support more people through their mail orders and things along those lines. And and actually it's quite it's quite a few clubs around that area, not tenth off road clubs. Um but there's like a couple of good GT12 clubs. I think there's a couple of like bangers and stock car racing. Did you see the, the video that Miklos put up? I didn't. Oh, yeah. No, I did. Yes. Yeah, I think it was like a stock car national. And I think my comment was every so often a race broke out. Um, <laughs> it, it did look fun. Maybe, maybe I should go see, spend some time with Miklos. Um, have we got any... Have we got any silly season rumours, Martin? Is no. anybody you want to throw under a bus? Well, I was hoping Jerry was going to go race for someone else, but it hasn't happened yet. No. I, I, I'm getting some thoughts that maybe the Schumacher family might lose Miklos to Bathos. Okay. Um, I'm hearing that, you know, he's in high demand. Yeah. 
I, I, I keep saying to Miklos, that's because they, everybody knows you're my mate. Um, but uh, I think Miklos has got plenty of offers on. Um, I think his head might be turned. Um, if you... If you're listening to this and you're thinking of changing team, please let us know and we'll read them off as if we read anybody else. And also I'd like to point out that if you did listen last week and the week before my rumour of Spencer Rifkin leaving Associated, I'm going to go one stage further, right? And say he's going to be replaced by Ryan Mayfield. <laughs> okay. Okay. You ready for that? So Spencer Rifkin... Leaves associated, replaced by Ryan Mayfield. You've heard it. Where does he go? I don't know. I haven't got that yet. Okay. Eventually, it could go to Mugen. Right. It could be be a straight swap, but there we go. Spencer Rivkin, and it can't be that outlandish because I've not been hit with a cease and desist. And I know that the boys in... um, Area 51 in Team Associated Headquarters in America. Listen, ITJ, yes, you must be quite happy with your car winning the world. So I know they listen, and they haven't said it mean to me. So I, I, clearly I must be right. I am kind of a big deal. Um, Martin, before I do my thank yous at the end, would you like to thank your sponsors? Yeah, no problem. I'd like to thank um, all the guys at Schumacher, John at RC Octane, Brian at Screws for RC, Richie Thorfer. Do you know what? My brain just went blank. How about that? That was I was doing really well, wasn't I? Yeah. This is what happens when you do a podcast and you're tired. Yeah. And it's late. And it's late. So yeah. So Richie Thor RDT and Factory Fred at FF Racing. But for the best glue. But we can have that discussion another time. Um Please, guys, like and share this podcast. Please like and share all the podcasts. Uh, We've had some great weeks, actually, uh, recently with all the episodes we've had. So thanks very much for all the love and support. Some lots of great messages. I'm looking forward to meeting loads of people at EOS Workshop. I've got some special things worked on by our good friend Paul Upton, but only people who attend Workshop. Um, so we're going to have a great time. It's going to be, we're going to be sad that winter's summer's finished, but we're going to be super happy that winter starts and we can all get racing on the real stuff on carpet. And then do you have a bit of a break then? Or do you still become the emperor of everything? Well, no, I'm kind of having a bit of a break now up until Christmas. Okay. And then you so start I'm... again. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, we've got AGM. I mean, it's a constant, but it's always doing things, but, me personally, and just gonna have a little break. I can't make worse works up, unfortunately, because I got family coming over from the states. Yeah, and I, I've basically promised my wife that I'll probably just uh, stay local up until Christmas and, and start again up. next year. Yeah, sounds perfect, mate. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for all you do, and obviously, number one of your job is putting up with me and Joey. Um, I'm like, easy compared to some of the people I have to put up with. Yeah, yeah, maybe because <laughs> obviously me and Joey are generally quite nice. Um, yes. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much, Alex. Thanks very much, Johnny, for last week. Um, I, yeah, I, I normally say I've other podcasts to listen to. Preddy was on the Grid Talk the other week. That was excellent. 
Um, and also the No Name RC podcast wrap up of the world. Uh, Keenan and JQ, I, I thought also was great. Um, I, we've got nobody for next week. We'll figure out maybe something will happen and we'll get them. Other than right. that, I think I've got an idea. Guy, Martin, thanks for your time and thanks for listening, kids. Bye now.